This is Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and you are watching episode 72 of the Talking Grammar Podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Grammar Podcast, episode 72 now. Glad you're watching. It's a, a unique episode uh, this go around. We we got we met up with our good friend Rob Douster of Field of 68, which is doing some great stuff for college basketball on YouTube and its channels there. And this year they are doing a Mountain West Insider podcast every week. And they asked me to be on their debut show to preview the Mountain West Conference this year. So this episode, I was going to do a Mountain West preview myself now that we are in the first week of the college basketball season. And since I did about a half hour podcast with Rob Douster, I figured let's just run it on both channels, both my podcast and theirs. And that's what this is. Hope you enjoy it. We uh, talk obviously about the season predicted order of finish, the teams at the top, who might make the NCAA tournament, where the UNM Lobos might fall, and some of the best players and storylines you guys will all be watching this season in Mountain West basketball. Hope you enjoy this episode of the Talking Grammar Podcast. Hello and welcome to the first ever Mountain West Insider Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me today a guy that knows the league as well as anybody, Jeff Grammer, who has covered uh, New Mexico specifically, but the Mountain West as a whole, basically since the time that I got into the college basketball space. Jeff, what's going on, man? It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you, man. I know it was just a couple weeks ago. I got to see you and uh, you and your buddy, Jeff Goodman, uh, at Mountain West Media Days and West Coast Conference Media Days. So, um, I've already had my my dose of Goodman for the season, so that was good. But I'm I'm glad to see you again. Yeah. So we uh, well, first and foremost, uh, calling Jeff Goodman my buddy is getting a little fast and loose with the name buddy. Um, normally, if you, someone's your buddy, you like them, and I don't really like Jeff Goodman. But uh, I have you on here because we've struck a partnership with the Mountain West Conference. We're going to be doing a podcast on the Mountain West throughout the season. You're going to see a lot of. Uh, a lot of coaching faces that you recognize throughout the year on here, but I also want to make sure that I I group in guys like Jeff, um, guys that cover the uh, that, that cover the league as a whole. So it's not just you know coach speak that you get over and over again. You uh, we get a little bit of insight here from people that know the league as well as anybody. Because I'll be honest, I know the top of the conference very very well. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know San Jose State and Air Force and some of these other teams in the league uh, as well as you do, Jeff. So um, first and foremost, I want to start you off with this. Four teams from the Mountain, Mountain West made the NCAA tournament last year. It's not the first time the league's gotten four teams in. Um, it has become uh, pretty pretty consistently getting two, three, four, sometimes even five bids to the NCAA tournament. What happened last year was San Diego State finally broke through and made that run and it felt like at least from the outside right that that is what the league kind of needed to be able to put a a little bit of a a national stamp on the conference as a whole like you have all these teams getting in but how many people are really paying attention when you get knocked out in the first round every year right how much did san diego state's run to the national title game do you think did that change maybe the national perspective maybe a little bit of the feel around the conference like you need that confidence to know you can actually get that done right yeah, 100%. It's sort of, you can only tell yourself that the the tournament is so random and it's matchup based and, you know, on any given day, any team can can knock somebody off. You can only tell yourself that so long before, you know, 12 times in a row when the, the league is a one and done, which I think it was, I think it got up to 12 in a row uh, before San Diego State last year won. Um, yeah, they needed it, not just for the national narrative about them, but they also needed it just because Frankly, I think internally, you start wondering yourself a little bit. Uh, again, coaches 
you, you talked about coach speak a little bit. Um, coaches can can spin it all they want that uh, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing to a streak like that. It starts getting in your own head a little bit. And yeah, it starts affecting recruiting when when there's a national narrative, a little bit of a black cloud hanging over your league's head. It probably starts affecting recruiting and stuff like that, just at least a little bit. And uh, yeah, it was huge. And and not only that, the Mountain West isn't the power six in basketball. So the money that San Diego State generated, it sure helps some schools like San Jose State at the bottom of the league and, and the Wyoming's and the Air Forces. So yeah, it helped uh, twofold. When did you get to the point last year where you thought San Diego State was a team that could make a run like this? Because I don't know. I don't know if I was ever there. Like I, I, a lot of times when you see teams make runs, it's like the Loyola Chicago's and you're like, Oh wow, that came out of nowhere, but it's San Diego state. It's Kawhi Leonard. It's a team that was a two seed in what would have been the 2020 NCAA tournament. Like this isn't just some, some small little program that, that came out of nowhere. It's San Diego state. I still never thought that they could do it though. Like the, I don't know. Maybe it was just that, that they were a defensive team. Did you ever get to that point where you thought they were good enough to do that? No, and it's it's funny because you you do talk about those teams that make those kind of magical Cinderella runs. They're not as consistent as San Diego State. Mm-hmm. San Diego State's been there for years, right on the cusp, right? But yeah, I, I didn't think um, it, it didn't feel entirely like a Cinderella run to me. Now nationally, I'm I'm sure that was the the perspective of it, but it didn't quite feel like a Cinderella run. But I also never thought, and I was there at the Final Four. Um, you were there, even when they were there. Um, it was a weird mix of, they certainly acted like they belonged and they felt like they belonged, but hey, uh, their, their fans brought the heat too. like their fans were there to party. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Aztec fans. I'm like, <laughs> they were there for a good time. Yeah. The, the, the show showed up, um, they, their fan base and they needed that a little bit, frankly, I, I think their mm-hmm. student section has been consistently good as, as consistent as, as San Diego state's been through the years, their student section has been consistently good. Um, but had started to dip a little bit. Uh, I, I will say that the top of that student section in Viejas Arena for a few years started getting light. Um, but uh, that run they made last year, they're going to be, and I say this with with a huge heart and a huge amount of love for the show, they're going to be as obnoxious as they've ever been this year, <laughs> reminding people that like not only did they make that run, but as you just pointed out, they made that run and they showed up. You know, they were every bit of, as much a part of that run as the team was. Yeah. It's uh, one of my favorite moments from that, uh, that run was obviously Lamont Butler's game winning shot, but I took mm-hmm. a video of it on my phone and the angle that I had was like behind him. So I, I saw him behind the basket and the shot go up with the angle and to go in. And from the angle on my phone, you just see in the background, like directly, it went from him, basket, San Diego State section behind him. And all you see after the shot goes in is about 75 beers just go flying in the air, bottles everywhere, hands going nuts. It, it was moments like you can't you can't recreate moments like that. Like it's just there's it's it's uh, it's just memorable, man. It was special. No, it was great. And, and what was pretty cool about it, too, is, again, as obnoxious as they can be, proudly so. Um, I'm walking by there and, and people are some of the guys in the in the in the show were yelling at me. Um, they remember me from the UNM games and they know me from covering the league. And, um, you know, they're giving UNM a hard time who I cover, but uh, you, giving me love like it, it was a pretty cool fan base to to go party and, and, and good for them, man. They they enjoyed it. And sometimes, you know, look, I, this isn't to say UConn fans didn't enjoy themselves. This isn't to say that. You know, we can get into the blue blood argument as, as everyone does. Blue blood, 
blood programs. Their fans certainly enjoy the moment too. They didn't enjoy the moment like San Diego State did. And that's what's uh that was what I think my lasting memory actually might be. Lamont Shaw, of course, is is certainly going to be the memory. Um, but the way that fan base kind of embraced it and the way Brian Dutcher enjoyed the moment and all those players enjoyed the moment, like that was uh it was kind of one of those corny, this is what the tournament should be about kind of moments that whole weekend, really. Yeah, it, it's hard. And we talked with Lamont about this at uh at Mountain West Media Day, it's hard to it's hard to conceptualize this as as a fan, right? Because when you're a competitor, you expect to win every single game. Like those guys go into these games with a certain amount of confidence and a certain amount of self belief. You can't get to that level of an athlete as an athlete without having that level of self belief, right? So their expectation was to go out and win a national title and beat UConn. Like that, I, I guarantee that everybody in that locker room thought that they were going to find a way to get that done, right? They thought they were going to cut down the nets, and they didn't. They didn't achieve their ultimate goal, but you also have to be able to say, like, we just made it to a national title game. It's a 64-team tournament. You get one chance, or a 68-team tournament. You get one chance in each of these games to win, and we made it all the way to the national title, something that our program's never done. So, like, the balance of we achieved something unbelievable and unforgettable with, like, yeah, but we didn't get the job done. It, it's it, That's got to be tough for those guys to process. Yeah, you can you can leave it to the to the players to to sort of use that as motivation as much as they want. I'll bet you they're walking around San Diego right now with the with the chest out pretty high too. Um, so I, I I get that they're gonna try and use that as motivation as much as they can. I don't think they can in an honest moment be anything but really proud about what they did last year. Even the way it ended, I think they can get over that pretty quick because it, it was an amazing run they went on, and it almost didn't happen. But the, you know, let's not forget that there were couple uh, moments in the along the way that it almost didn't happen um but that's the beauty of the tournament man that's what makes it so great i know there are a lot of people in the city of omaha that uh maybe don't believe that san diego state should have been in the final four to begin with so uh that's what it is man there's a lot of people in memphis that think that fau probably shouldn't have gotten out of the first round of the tournament that's what uh that's what makes this sport this this event everything about it so special all right let's talk about this year's mountain west because the way that i look at it jeff is I think there are four teams at the top who are all good enough to win it. And you, everyone's going to have their own rankings. I think you have to put San Diego State preseason number one just because of what they did, right? It's just, it's like one of those like legacy awards where uh, like Martin Scorsese winning the best film, um, the Oscar for The Departed, when it wasn't his best movie, but like you got to give it to him, a lifetime achievement award, if you will. So I think you got to have San Diego State number one. But Boise State, Colorado State, and New Mexico, I think are all good enough to be able to, one, get a vote to win the league if you want to give it to them, and two, to be able to do it by the end of the season. Like, I, I love the top four in this conference. Where, where do you have San Diego State, and do you have them number one, I guess, is the question. Yeah, I do. San Diego State's my number one. Uh, those are my top four. I, I will point out that in the preseason media poll, Nevada got a first-place vote, too. Um, some people would throw them into the mix. I, I have them fifth in my preseason poll, and I would say the tier, if you're breaking down tiers, I have it right after three. I have Colorado State right after that top four. Um, but I, I would say Colorado State actually has a pretty good, uh, pretty good maybe stretching it. I think this is a three-bid league, and I went in order San Diego State. I went Boy or New Mexico number two. The media poll went Boise State number two, and I flipped those. I have Boise State third. I really think those top three, though, can finish in any order. 
Um, not much argument out of me out of those top three out of which order you pick them. But I went San Diego State, New Mexico, Boise State with Colorado State four. I think Colorado State has an NCAA tournament chance this year. That would be three years in a row for the Mountain West getting four teams in if that happened, especially with the recent conference realignment shifts that had some teams leaving the American and, and things like that. This has got to be, I think, in my mind, probably the best outside of the power six at this point. Um, I'm not sure who else you put in that mix. Obviously, very top-heavy West Coast Conference. But uh, overall, the Mountain West has to be the best outside the Power Six. Yeah, I think it's them in the Atlantic 10. Um, yeah. With the departures that we've had out of the American, uh, I think you have to put the Mountain West above the Atlantic 10 right now simply because um, they've gotten it done. On paper, the Atlantic 10 last year is what the Mountain West is this year. And uh, they got obviously just one bid into the tournament. So um, you got to actually get it done. Uh, let's let's kind of go through each one of these teams. Um, I don't know if you want to just give me like an X factor, what you're kind of expecting from all of them. Um, but rolling through the top four with San Diego State, uh, they bring back a lot of important pieces, but no Matt Bradley, no Kashad Johnson, no Nathan Mensa, no Adam Seco. Um, it, it just, they've lost a lot of the guys that were kind of the culture pieces, if that makes yeah. sense, right? But it feels like Dutch has gotten to the point where, like, you just kind of lather, rinse, repeat. You always got the next man up coming up in that program. Yeah, pl plug and play. They they can kind of replace a whole lot of what they do, but their their identity. This is me um, putting the what could go wrong kind of spin on San Diego State again. I picked them first, but their identity has been a rim protecting defense first kind of kind of team. And you know Nathan Mensa, uh, Nathan Mensa being gone multiple time Defensive Player of the Year in this league. Matt Bradley was a big, bulky, kind of bulldozer type guard that that kind of had to help to add to their identity as just the, this bruising defensive team. Um, it was weird because last year they made their run, and it was the first time since 2009 that they were actually outside the top 100 in Ken Palm's two-point um, mm -hmm. field goal defense. But their three-point defense was number four in the country. They They were still a really good defensive team but they hang their hat on that two point defense that like you can't go inside and score on San Diego state and Nathan Mensa being gone worries me um, from that perspective uh, on how they're going to continue to do that. They like switching everything. They they're a team that lost an awful lot. Now coming back, they have a very good backcourt Darian Trammell, obviously really good score and Lamont Butler's riding the wave of not only one buzzer beater in the final four, but, but I got to witness one up close and personal in the pit um, those were two shots where the ball is in the air as the buzzer sounding and they win the game. And he had two of them last year. Uh, he he's kind of riding that wave a little bit, great defensive guard in my mind, but, um, I don't know if offensively he's going to either he or Darian Tramiel, frankly, I don't know that they're going to replace Matt Bradley, um, in terms of clutch and, and who to go to at the end of the shot clock kind of stuff or at the end of a game. Yeah, I, I think. To fill that role, I think you got to go to Reese Dixon Waters. Like, I think he's got to be the guy. Like, he's kind of – you want to throw an X factor out there. Obviously, Jaden Ledee, you wanted to, to to replace some of what um, he lost with Mensa. But I think it's Reese Dixon Waters, man. If you're going to be a great team, you need a guy you can give the ball to and say, go get us one. Yeah, absolutely. And he's the guy, right? They, and they've been pretty successful. I mean, Matt Bradley was a transfer. Um, mm -hmm. you, you go back, Malachi Flynn transfer. They, they've been pretty successful through the years getting a really key transfer to become their key player. Um, you add him to the mix. I, I really think Reese waters is, is the guy that's going to Dixon waters is the guy that's probably, probably the newcomer of the year in the, in the mountain West. There, there's a couple other guys that certainly have a, can make a case for that, but he's right there. All right. Boise state. 
that's who I have number two in the conference. Um, I just, I love Max Rice. I love Tyson Degenhardt. Uh, and I love what Kim Martin in theory can bring them. I think that um, being able to move Tyson out of the five spot where he played a lot of last season is going to be something that uh, that is is really important for him. I'm very intrigued to see what Roddy Anderson was be will be for them at the point guard spot. I think that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, the transfer from UC San Diego had a great finish last season. He's a sophomore, but I mean, you move to the Mountain West. That's a uh, that's a little bit of a better league. Yeah, I think, too, that um, not only are they going to need to replace Marcus Shaver at that point guard spot, mm -hmm. um, I, I do think, as you pointed out, that that's my key to the team is Tyson um, Dagenhart, who who could have been preseason player of the year. Mm -hmm. um, and a, a lot of people I know, coaches in this league, think he is the best player in the league. Um, moving him back to the four, I think, is really the key for Boise State this year and why they, I think, not only can be an NCAA tournament team, but can be, you know, a top eight seed that has a chance of, of maybe, you know, getting – a win or two get into that second weekend a little bit. And um, I, I know you mentioned Cam Martin. He, he missed some time. Obviously I'm intrigued by him. I think the combination of him and Omar Stanley from St. John's, I think the two of them being mm -hmm. able to push Tyson Dagenhart over to the, to the four is, is sort of what I would say is, is the key to this team. Max Rice though. Yeah. He's one of those guys that I think mountain West fans are so sick of seeing. Um, not only is he a coach's son, which comes with a certain annoyance factor, but he has gotten so good the last couple of years that um, I, I just think uh, I think Mountain West fans are are not happy that Max Rice is back because he's a really good player. Yeah, they're they're good and they're old. They got a, a couple fifth year guys, and obviously Max Rice is in his twenty seventh season. He's been there since uh, since a young Jeff Grammer was covering the New Mexico <laughs> State Aggies back in uh, back in his college days. So um, yeah, I, I really like that group, man. I, I I think that they're good. I think Leon is a terrific coach and, uh, I would bet on them. If you were going to, if, if I was going to be a betting man, I think I would probably bet on, uh, Boise state to be the team that ends up winning this. It just, I don't know. You'll get better odds than you will in San Diego state. All right. Colorado state is who I have third. And, uh, I know that makes it a little bit controversial because I got the New Mexico guy on here. Right. How, how many jokes am I allowed to make about you being a New Mexico homer? Cause you cover them at least one. Oh. Minute, right. Well, it wouldn't be a show with me if you didn't make at least one or two. <laughs> um, I I love uh, I love Isaiah Stevens. Um, if there's one guy in that league that I think you want the ball in his hands at the end of a clock, all due respect to Lamont Butler, I think it's probably Isaiah Stevens. Um, I know they love uh, some of the pieces they have coming back, but specifically um, the kid coming in from Black Hills State, a Division II transfer, and, and Joel Scott, who averaged a ridiculous 23 points, 10 boards um, last season playing at the Division II level. What do you make of Colorado State? What do you make of uh, of, of Nico Medved? Like, if there's a guy I'm going to bet on in this conference, I, I, it might be Nico Medved. There's a lot of good coaches in this league. Yeah, I mean, Nico's one of them, and and he, he makes those – you know, next big hire kind of, uh, kind of listening with mm -hmm. good reason. Um, I do think they, they did lose a couple key pieces, John Tanjay being the big one, but really Isaiah Stevens, he, here's a, an interesting note on Isaiah Stevens. The mountain West has been around since the 99, 2000 season. So we're going into season 24, 25 rather, um, of the mountain West conference. And there've only been two players so far that have been freshman of the year and later became player of the year in the mountain West conference. It was Andrew Bogut, um, when Utah was still in the league, and they, he did it as a freshman and then a sophomore, then went to the NBA. And the other guy was Kendall Williams from UNM. He mm -hmm. did it as a freshman, then as a junior in 2011 and then 2013. 
Isaiah Stevens has an opportunity now to be freshman of the year and bookend his college career with being the player of the year. And he was the preseason player of the year. Nobody in this league, because it's such a transfer heavy league with players coming in and players going out, and it has been for, for 25 years, nobody has actually completed their entire college career where they started off as freshman of the year, like Isaiah Stevens did. It wasn't David Roddy and they both came in together. It was Isaiah Stevens and he gets to kind of put an exclamation point on what was a fantastic college career. Anybody at this point who doesn't know Isaiah Stevens might be one of the best point guards in the entire country. Hasn't been paying attention to college basketball. I think him, Tyson Dagenhart, both um, are, are two of the best players in the country. Um, and, and I think they should both be on preseason watch list. I know Isaiah Stevens was Tyson wasn't, he should have been, uh, for his position, but yeah, I, I think that they, they bring in a couple guys, not only Joel Scott, who you mentioned, who is a great scorer, but, uh, they have a transfer from new, one from New Mexico, one from Colorado and Nick Clifford and, and just, um, Javante. Yeah, they really like him. They really like Clifford. And, and those two guys are, were AAU teammates in Colorado Springs area. They now are, are teamed up together as seniors in at Colorado state. Those two guys can be good. I also think former Division II All-American Patrick Cartier down low and at the at forwards five spot, really, such a skilled player. I, I think Nico has a pretty good group here, and I do think I, I'm probably leaning towards – I have them at fourth, um, but I am probably leaning towards them probably punching a ticket and getting that fourth team into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I think they're going to find a way to be able to, to get in. I, I just – I bet on the point guard play. I think that they brought in – um, you mentioned Johnson and Nick Clifford, two really good role players that can kind of do a job as, as guys that space the floor. And then they're bigs, they're D2 transfers, but like Cartier and Scott are going to be really, really good in the Mountain West. Um, it's just depending on, you know, how quickly, especially for Scott, how quickly that adjustment will get made. All right. You got to talk about your boys. Got to talk about the Lobos. Got to talk about Richard Patino. Um, first and foremost, before we get into all of this, just what is the pit like when you have, what is it? 15,000 people that yeah. you could fit in there when New Mexico has it rolling what is the pit like so th this is the best story I've heard of what the pit is like in 19 this I, I did this during the COVID year when we were all looking for kind of stories and ways to kind of keep writing about teams and just we're looking for sports content right mm -hmm. I did a story about UNM in 1988 in the pit beat the number one ranked Arizona Wildcats and Arizona and UNM used to be in Way back when they used to be in the same conference and they used to play annually. Um, Steve Kerr was on this 1988 Arizona team, comes into the pit and loses. He was on this video that um, UNM actually did re recounting that game too and kind of reliving that 1988 game during the COVID year. And he described walking down the ramp of the pit. And if you haven't been to, to the pit, it, it's a unique setup where it's dug into the hole. It's 37 feet beneath ground level. And um, it, there's a ramp from the locker rooms down to court level and you walk out of the ramps. You're not kind of walking out on court level. You're, you're going down this ramp and you come out into this arena. And Steve Kerr said it was like a gladiator walking in to the Coliseum. Cause when you come out, the whole place is packed yelling at you going crazy. And uh, they lay it on you pretty thick at the pit when it's going the, the, the gray hair, the blue hairs, the, the 80 year old grandmothers are cussing you out. They got Snake is a, a fan who sits right by the opposing bench, who is now in his 50s or 60s, weighs about 150 pounds, but he is an insane clown posse painted face kind of guy who for some reason at 150, 160 pounds still kind of scares you for some reason. You just, he, he's weird, but you, you like he is the, 
he is the symbol um symbolic fan and he's been there through the years too by the way he is he, he knew bob king the court at the pit is named after bob king he was a pallbearer at bob king's wedding who was a coach in the 60s snake is a part of this program the fans will lay it on you and uh it when it is rocking and it, it got that way again last year for the first time in a long time when the pits rock and it, it really is one of the one of the best um venues i've been able to cover a game in yeah, so oh, I think that they're going to be right there in the mix. Like I, I think all of these top four teams are good enough to win the league, like yeah. I said. And um, I would not be surprised if it was one of those seasons where all four of them tied at like 13-5 and five in the conference. Yeah. But if you're betting on guard play, Jalen House, Jamal Mashburn Jr., Jamal Baker, who's 25 years old and seventh year in college, like you, you could do a lot worse than those three dudes. There's one other guy that I, I actually think would be a starting guard uh, and on every team in the league, somehow he might not be better than Isaiah Stevens. Donovan Dent is yep. um, Mr. California a couple of years back. Um, he's a sophomore and exhibition games are what they are, but he had 26 the other night in an exhibition game. He's a great defender too. He, he blocked three shots. He was one of the leading shot blockers off the bench last year, him coming back and, and kind of shooting down some NIL transfer portal um, opportunities to, to go back to California um was pretty big for this program because he knows Jalen House and Jamal Mashburn Jr. are still going to be playing 30 minutes a game mm-hmm. he is as, as Patino's described in the future of the program I think his return was as huge as Jamal Mashburn and Jalen House's return but also I think the addition of Iona center Nelly Jr. Joseph who who arrived on campus all of about a week ago from Nigeria which was a, a crazy ordeal he was taking online classes he is academically eligible um can you just walk through what happened there? Because I don't know how many people actually know what happened there. Yeah, so he he was uh, obviously three years at Iona for Rick Patino, Richard Patino's dad, um, transfers this year to New Mexico, was on one visit, only has been to campus one time last spring. In Toronto, he goes to Toronto in July to play in a summer tournament. From there, he goes home um, for one month. He was expected to come back in August, went back to Nigeria. Um, someone in Nigeria uh, did not renew his student visa to come back until mid to late October. Um, the official word there is it was just sitting on someone's desk. The more accurate word is I think some people there were giving him a hard time and, and probably wanting some money or wanting something to come of it. Um, eventually he got here and uh, he, is, he is now here. Uh, he's been here, like I said, as, of, as we speak right now, he's been here one week today um, that he arrived and uh, they're they're hoping he can get up to speed pretty quick. They play St. Mary's in the first week of the season, and uh, that's really their only big non-conference game. He provides something. Um, he replaces a, a really good center last year, Morris Daisy, who was a great offensive back to the basket, almost a classic center. He can do more power forward stuff, but he, he for the Lobos, was right at the rim scoring like crazy. Um, but Nelly Jr. Joseph isn't probably the offensive threat that Morris Daisy was but he provides a little more flexibility for defense. And this team needs to get better at defense if they want to make a run. And Nelly Jr. Joseph kind of adds that, I think. I think they they really need him. He's a 6'10 shot blocking kind of guy that's athletic and can run the floor. And uh, it just provides him some flexibility. When you're starting a six-foot guard in Jalen House, a six-foot-two guard in Jamal Mashburn Jr., Donovan Dent's only 6'2", you're losing an awful lot on the perimeter in size. So you need some guys back at the rim that can maybe – erase some of those mistakes sometimes yeah as uh as as richard told us in the almanac we don't need to be great defensively but we just can't suck again he told me earlier this week they're right now only at a moderate level of suck 
he hopes to get to at least average or so. Um, but yeah, they are at a in in bouncing off that quote that I asked him about just this week. Uh, he said, "I'd say right now we're at a moderate level of suck." He's he's one of my favorite coaches. I didn't realize the personality that he had when he was at Minnesota. He's he's easily him and Tim Miles are are two of my favorite human beings to talk to in this industry. So, um, all right, UNLV in Nevada. So I would I know Nevada got a first place vote in the in the media poll. Um, Wasn't for me. I would probably have them in the same conversation as UNLV where there's pieces there. I can tell myself a story where it makes sense, but I still kind of have to see it a little bit before I fully buy into this idea that they can make a run. Um, let's start with Nevada first. Great backcourt, Keenan Blackshear, Jared Lucas. Um, I think KJ Himes is the guy that is going to take a step forward. I just, you know, with what they lost, man, with um, uh, I'm blank, uh, the kid, uh, Will, Will Baker, Will Baker Freshman uh, Darian Williams, yeah. yeah. Those, those two, you don't replace those two guys, and and or lose those two guys, and just expect to be better uh, that mm -hmm. quickly. I don't know that they added um, replacements to those guys. Now on the roster, a guy like KJ Himes, who was hurt last year, they expect to to take, like you said, a big step forward. Um, Nick Davidson's a young guy that they hope will take a step forward. But really, this is this is how far will Jared Lucas and Keenan Blackshear take you? Now they can take you pretty far. And they showed that last year. I do think that he got healthy at the end of last year. Let's see how a, a healthy Hunter McIntosh can kind of help them um, at a guard spot too. I know they like the Tulane transfer in, in Tyler Pope, but I, I just, I think, you know, it's not, frankly, it's not unlike San Diego state who I'm still staying with at number one, mm -hmm. but they just lost an awful lot to just think they can do what they did even last year again and just repeat it. Um, you, you can't just, I know college basketball, even in non-transfer portal and COVID year where we got six and seven year guys, you can't just lose that much. I know there's rotation going on every year for college teams. You can't lose that much and just expect to automatically be better. So they're an interesting team. Um, I picked them fifth in my preseason poll. And I know they were kind of in that middle of the pack mix. I think you're right to put them right with UNLV because either one of those two teams. UNLV's talented, man. They got they got yeah. some dudes. They got a lot of high major guys that came in. It's a question of whether or not um, Coach Kruger can can get all of these pieces that are coming in together. But I mean, look, five of their top six are fifth year guys. Yeah, four of them are high major dudes. And he wants to hang his hat on defense. Last year they did that with a kind of frantic. Let's let's get our hands on you know a lot of deflections let's, let's do that they they played so frantic that i think they were too sloppy themselves mm -hmm. offensively um i i do think that the guys they have back are good i i'll tell you who i really like but he he might be a little young to make a huge impact as a freshman but they got a point guard who reclassified late over the summer indeed and thomas jr and um i really think that he, he's from local he's a local kid from las vegas i i think he's a guy that could end up being real key player for them um again they lose uh, end of the shot clock guy elijah harkless ended up being their heart and soul by the end of the season last year they lose a, a good one in Keyshawn gilbert too i i just think that they lose a couple really key pieces but you're right the talent that they brought in um a couple of oklahoma or oklahoma and oklahoma state transfers that they have at forward you know he's, he's tapping into that big 12 pipeline still and if those two guys um pay off for them i, I really think that unlv can be can be really a, a good defensive team and um you know Luis Rodriguez is a is a good three-point shooter uh didn't really have the percentage last year but I think he can be a good three-point shooter I I think they got some good pieces I have a middle of the pack I wouldn't be shocked to see them get up into the three four range if, if things click for them it, it's gonna come down to Thomas right like you need a you need a great point guard in this league and um 
he's very talented, but the the five star guys that transfer up to play the point, like it's never it's never as easy as it seems to be a someone that should be a high school senior trying to play the point guard in a league as good as the Mountain West. Um, I got one more for you that I want to throw out. You know, then we can kind of talk about the bottom teams. I think Wyoming's getting slept on a little bit. I know they lost Maldonado. I know they played last season without Graham Ike. Um, but I think Jeff Linder is a heck of a coach. And I think that some of these kids that he brought in, like I think Mason Walters from Jamestown and NAIA transfer they brought in. I think a quail cop from Fort Lewis, uh, who I believe it was a Juco transfer is someone that's going to be really good. And uh, look, it's uh, it's, it's, it's Laramie, man. That is not an easy place to play. You're at 7,200 feet elevation. So yeah, you got, you got Laird. I'm, I'm with you. Actually. I, I had them seventh on my preseason poll. The official media poll had them at 10. Um, so a lot of people are down on them. That's second to last in the league. Um, they, they're a little bit snake bit. Uh, I mean, first of all, Hunter Maldonado finally gone after what seemed like eight or nine year career for him. Um, Graham Ike got hurt in the preseason last year, ended up not playing for him about two weeks ago. And it was a small enough injury. He hurt his thumb. Mason Walters, the NAIA player of the year, hurt his thumb, had to have surgery. He's going to miss all non-conference. That, oh man, that bugged me. That that bothered me big time because I was like you, man. I wanted to see what this NIA, NAIA player of the year could do in the Mountain West with Jeff Linder basically kind of tinkering and, and figuring out he's a mad scientist of sorts as a coach. And he finds out ways to work with his players almost um, as good as any coach in the league, maybe as any, one of the top coaches in the whole country in terms of seeing what you have on your roster and then figuring out what to do with them. That's what he did with Graham E.K. and Hunter Maldonado, two back-to-the-basket, <laughs> back-down guys. Like, it, he didn't do that at Northern Colorado. In an before. era of pace and space, let's just post up every single possession and see what happens. Every possession. I mean, it was crazy, the, the gap between him and most every other team in the country in terms of just backing down a, a 6'7", Hunter Maldonado as a point guard and a Graham E.K. who's going to be, who was a great back-to-the-basket big. Um, yeah, Mason Walters is a guy, though, that I think – uh, when he gets healthy, when he fixes his thumb, I, I want to see he averaged 27 points a game and 9.4 rebounds at NAIA level. I do think their guards give them something that um, they didn't exactly have last year, both Sam Griffin from Tulsa. And uh, you mentioned him, the former Division II All-American from Fort Lewis, Aquel Cott. Um, he, those two guys, if they click like Jeff Linder thinks they can, I think Wyoming's going to be, they're going to be as tough and out as, as they were maybe a couple of years ago. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, if they're quite at the NCAA tournament level, like yeah. at large bid level yet. Uh, but would I be shocked to see them crack like the top four in this conference? Yeah, I don't think that would be the most surprising thing in the world. And if you do that, then you might have enough wins to be able to get it done. You know, um, I think a big thing for this league is going to be what they do in the non-conference and and how uh, how well their kind of computer numbers balance everything out. Yeah. You know what else really happened last year? Uh, San Jose State wasn't a drag on everyone's resume because they won 20 games. So um, we haven't talked about four teams yet. Utah State, completely new roster. Yeah, everybody comes in new. Danny Sprinkle, new head coach. Craig Smith left for Utah. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Ryan Odom left for uh, for VCU. Fresno State, Air Force, San Jose State. Out of those four teams, can you see any of them finding a way to get it done and, and being like a top half of the Mountain West kind of a team? Um, I, I, I didn't pick them as, as this team, but because they're such an unknown, maybe Danny sprinkles, Utah state team, but that's only because I just don't, I can't tell you what they're going to be. I think they're going to be a hard nosed defensive kind of team in a league that has some hard nosed defensive type of teams already. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe they make a run, uh, Fresno state has made some runs 
every now and then, even when you don't expect it. So Justin Hudson playing for his contract year, um, I, I think that he has a chance only in that he finds a way to get some guys to rally for him. But man, they they lost a good one in Jamal Baker Jr. Uh, they lost another good one in Isaiah Moore. So they lost a couple of really good players. They did get a Wyoming transfer, Xavier Ducell, who can hit some three-pointers. And I do like their big man, Eduardo Andre. His his stats don't really show up. He came on late last year. Um, I, I think Fresno State might be able to. Um, I don't think Air Force can, you know, it's worth noting for people that don't pay attention to the the service academies um, in an era where you can rebuild a roster with the transfer portal, you can only lose players at Air Force. You can, after your sophomore year, you have to make a commitment to the U.S. government to either stay in the in the military for the next three or four years or however long it is, or you have to transfer. At Air Force, you either lose a player after their sophomore year because they have to make a decision or, or, or it, I, I made it sound like an option. That's all you can do is, is lose a player or you can't mm-hmm. bring a player in. There's no transferring into Air Force. Um, their best teams through the years are, are third and fourth year guys playing that system. And you're just not having a whole lot of third and fourth year guys at Air Force anymore. So Joe Scott's got a tough job. I picked him last. They were picked preseason last. And that, there's probably good reason for that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Tim Miles is able to do as well in an era where uh, NIL is king. Um, yeah. Let's just say it's not exactly flowing at, uh, at yeah. San Jose State right now. Yeah, and, and it is worth mentioning San Jose State real quick um, a little more just because they had such a good run last year. They mm-hmm. didn't drag down the, the conference. They did have the Mountain West Player of the Year, which doesn't happen at San Jose State. And Omari, yeah. he was fantastic, but they lose him. Um, they also lose a center in Ibrahim, Ibrahima Diallo, who, um, again, teams didn't go inside against san jose state and he was a big reason why he he averaged i think 1.7 or 1.8 blocks per game but um he was actually more of the deterrent the teams didn't even try and go inside on them and they're a great rebounding team so they got some pieces at san jose state i like their point guard alvaro cardenia from spain but i i just don't see them replacing omari more yeah it's it's you don't do that you don't replace somebody at san jose state you just hope and pray that somebody else can kind of figure some things out. So um, it's going to be a fun year, man. It's going to be a fun league. I hope people will tune into this podcast. I hope people that are going to tune in will watch the conference overall. Um, I am very excited for those 11 PM starts, right? (laughs) Throughout the season, there's, there's really no better way to end the night than, you know, one of these insane uh, environments and these wild CBS sports network mountain West games. It's a, it's the new Pac-12 after dark since the Pac-12 after dark. Just no one can get those channels. So, um, Jeff, it's been a pleasure. It's been a blast. I'm going to lean on you, and I'm going to lean on BJ Reigns, who covers uh, Boise State, to kind of help provide some insight while sprinkling in interviews from different coaches throughout the rest of the year. Mountain West Insider Podcast. We're going to be here every week for the entire season. For Jeff Grammer, my name is Rob Doster. I appreciate you guys tuning in. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun to do, first of all. And and I appreciate Rob Douster and the Field of 68 for having me on. Hopefully I'll be on with them again later this season, uh, maybe around December sometime when conference play is about to start for the Mountain West Conference. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoy all the episodes of the Talking Grammar podcast. And I do want you guys to make sure um, not only to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to this podcast, to the Talking Grammar podcast, but also do so feel the 68. They are doing a weekly Mountain West daily podcast, or I'm sorry, Mountain West Insider podcast. Subscribe to theirs too, the Field of 68 on YouTube. They're doing great stuff with college basketball. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Next week, we'll get back to the interviews and we'll we'll have some guests on the show. But uh, this week, I just wanted you guys to get a good idea of what the Mountain West has in store for you this college basketball season. 
Make sure to follow all our coverage. There is a Mountain West preview that published in the in the pages of the Albuquerque Journal and online that you can still see, abqjournal.com slash sports. And I did a team-by-team breakdown there as well. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Hope you guys enjoyed these episodes. Let me know what you're thinking. Grammar at abqjournal.com is where you can email me or you can get me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Jeff Grammar. Hope you enjoy this college basketball season. I'm glad it's finally here and glad you're following along with us on this podcast. Thank you.